In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Today's lessons provide a meditation on tradition. In the Bible, tradition refers to beliefs and practices handed down from God to his people through authorized agents. As St. Paul writes in our epistle today, I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. Then he lists the foundational truths about Christ's death, burial, and resurrection that formed the basis of the apostolic faith and are sort of the seed of the later apostles and Nicene creeds. These truths are authentic because those who received them were eyewitnesses to the resurrection. St. Paul writes, Christ was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once. After that, he was seen also by James, then by all of the apostles. And last of all, he was seen by me. Thus, apostolic tradition was received by the apostles from Christ and delivered to the church. This is the biblical origin of what we call apostolic succession. It developed to assure that the churches were receiving the true doctrine and worship. How did you know that the teaching you received was true? How did you know that you were really worshiping the one true God? You knew because the bishop of your church received his doctrine and worship that you practice from a bishop who received it from a bishop who received it from St. John or one of the other apostles. This lineage of authentic tradition distinguished the church from what were known as Gnostic sects. These were religious groups founded by leaders who claimed to have had some kind of special revelation. The church asked, where did you get that from? Teachings and practices that could not be traced to an apostolic source were rejected. And this remains the litmus test in dealing with people who claim to have a new revelation. Doctrine is tested by apostolic teaching expressed in the Bible and summarized in the Nicene and Apostles' creeds. And the creeds set forth the foundational apostolic doctrine to which the entire early church said, Amen. St. Paul uses the language of tradition in the New Testament to refer to other practices as well. In 1 Corinthians, he describes how he established the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist in Corinth. He writes, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. and goes on to describe a little bit more of the Eucharistic liturgy. And we can assume here that St. Paul delivered not just the general commandment, but also a form, at least an outline of liturgy of how this was to be done. In 1 Corinthians 11.2, St. Paul writes, I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions 
just as I delivered them to you. In 2 Thessalonians, he writes, Brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or by our epistle, which makes it clear that the tradition included both oral and written components. The emphasis on keeping the traditions was meant to safeguard the church from errors in doctrine and practice. The early church valued what was received from Jesus and the apostles and was suspicious of novelty. In contrast, the typical spiritual error of our age works in the other direction. Churches and religious groups tend to advertise that they are offering the latest new thing, and authentic biblical and church traditions often portrayed as old-fashioned and even boring, by contrast. Some preference for the new is simply the spirit of the age, but some preference for the new results from the modern experience of technology, in which the new thing, the car, the phone, the TV, actually is better than the old thing. The preference for better technology can be subtly transferred into the Christian faith as a preference for the newer spiritual thing. And there's an important distinction between technology and truth. New airplanes are better than old ones, but the new planes do not ignore the timeless truths about gravity and air pressure. We don't read a Bible that is written on papyrus by, that is written and illuminated for us by the light of a candle, but we still read essentially the same Bible. Now, Jesus spoke about the tradition in a negative way. In Matthew 15, the scribes and Pharisees asked Jesus, why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders for they do not wash their hands before they eat bread. And Jesus responded, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? Some people mistake this comment, and those like it, as a broad condemnation by Jesus of all tradition. The tradition of the Pharisees that Jesus targeted, however, was different. It was not received directly from Moses and handed down in the Jewish tradition. It consisted of rules that developed between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament, in the time period roughly between the prophet Malachi and the coming of John the Baptist. Jesus objected to these developed traditions when they were observed in a way that served to undermine the central points of the Torah. But Jesus did not overthrow the legitimate tradition rooted in the Torah, nor did he imply that every developed tradition or every local custom is inherently bad. As Jesus said, Assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law or Torah till all is fulfilled. The Christian tradition has had the same conversation. The English Reformation argued that certain practices and beliefs that developed in the Middle Ages 
undermined the gospel. The argument was that the later tradition violated the older and more authentic biblical and apostolic tradition. The conversation between tradition and reform of the tradition is nuanced and multifaceted, and there are errors at both extremes of, refor of refor Reformation debate, whether it be the Reformation of the 16th century or any Reformation debate. The one extreme error is to contend that everything not based on a specific Bible passage should be rejected. The other extreme error is to maintain that every rubric or practice developed in a particular period is exactly the way the apostles did it and can never be changed. We are saved from our own personal erroneous tendency by humility. Humility results from knowing Christ. St. Paul provides us with the pattern. He was an argumentative traditionalist Pharisee until he saw the risen Christ on the road to Damascus. As he says in the epistle, last of all, Christ was seen by me also as by one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles and am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Seeing Christ softened Paul's hardened heart and led Paul to join the very group he formerly opposed and hated. In a similar way, a true encounter with the risen Christ in our life of prayer will soften our hearts and cause us to increase in the virtues of humility and charity. And this is the real purpose of the tradition. St. Paul was adamant about holding on to authentic doctrine and worship because he wanted people to know the real Jesus. Apostolic doctrine and practice lead into the apostolic experience of forgiveness, grace, and union with God in Christ through the Spirit. If we drift from apostolic doctrine and worship, there is a danger of drifting into some other experience. The true test of our authentic experience is the humility and the transformation it produces in us. That is to say, our faithfulness to the unchanging faith is evidenced by the dramatic change that faith causes in us. Pride accompanies all errors surrounding tradition. Pride leads some traditionalists to major in the minors as a convenient way of avoiding the disorders that are in their own hearts. And pride leads some reformers to reject all tradition in a way that makes them unaware they're really just running away from themselves and avoiding all accountability. And this brings us to the gospel parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Both enter the same temple to pray to the same God that is known to them through the same tradition. 
but only the one who was humbled and changed by his encounter with God went home justified. Apostolic tradition is the means to the end of Christ, and our commitment to it is tested by what it produces in us. As Jesus said, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.